Hello again, and welcome to Southeastern 14's recap of Wednesday, February the 21st basketball games. Which way do I look? Like so. Do I look this way? Do I look? Which way do I look here? <laughs> the screen's we, we, we were Hey, we were confused enough by what we were watching at times last night. Blake carried his over into the morning. We, we got new graphics. We don't know what's going on here. Welcome to life in the SEC. We're going to talk about the four games last night, Alabama's overtime win over Florida, Georgia's road win at Vanderbilt, uh, LSU's instant classic. Really, I would say there were two instant classics in this one. LSU's win over Kentucky and, and Alabama's overtime win over Florida. And Mississippi State's win in the rematch over Ole Miss at the hump this time. Before we get there, a reminder, we are brought to you by BetOnline, which continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs. With in-game live betting contests and all the best player props, experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. At the battle online today to become part of the team and remember to use the promo code believe for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online the game starts here well we discuss these in the order that they are played and so you will hear them in the order that i announced them earlier my goodness guys that that thing in tuscaloosa last night where florida led most of the way uh, mark sears in my mind continues to put himself at the forefront of the player of the year discussion. I still think it's probably a three-man race. And the box score wasn't the best he's had last night, but he made, in my mind, the biggest play of the game. Uh, this was a game that we said we could not wait to watch. A lot of times when you put that label on a game, it is sure to disappoint. I, I think this one might have even exceeded what we hope to see, Blake. I'll let Max give his thoughts first on this game. <clears throat> I knew that was coming. I could see that from a mile away. Um, yeah, this one lived. I mean, if there was any game to give us overtime, thank thank God it was this one because this game was so good. The I saw a stat before the game, and it was um, teams, uh, player rankings uh, in terms of how important they are to the team and how, how low the team would decrease if a player was out. And both Sears and Pullen are on the top 10 national list. So this mm -hmm. was like – Two, this was just great guards on great guards. Um, it really, the the pace lived up to the hype. For Alabama, this is not a live and die by the three team. They're not. Can't put that label on them. Uh, they, won the, they won the points in the paint battle in this game. They, they won it 56-48, even when shots weren't falling. So that, that live and die by the three, you know, kind of tag that people put on Alabama, well, they, they broke that last night. Um, and, and also probably the best rebounding performance from Alabama th throughout the year. I mean, I think that was only the second or third time Florida had been out-rebounded in SEC play. And, you know, Alabama being a small ball type of team, I didn't expect that from them. Uh, but as the biggest thing I was looking at for Florida um, was, I mean, geez, they led for 30 minutes, so it was a good result. You know, you would like to come away with a with a win, but no one's beaten Alabama at Coleman this year in SEC play so far. Um, but the big thing that I thought was kind of jumping out at me was Riley Kugel only played two minutes. I was talking to Florida Basketball Hour on Twitter this morning, actually, trying to see what, what the heck was going on. He said he's on antibiotics right now. Said Kugel's oh. 
said Kugel's uh, going through uh, some sort of illness, and um, the the coaching staff didn't know what to do with him before the game. Threw him out there. He was a little lethargic. Uh, I think he traveled on the baseline and then kind of hung his head. I think this was just a Todd Golden kind of coaching decision saying, all right, it's just it's not his night. But you could see in overtime there, Pullen and, and Clayton looked a little bit gassed to me. But, I mean, if Kugel's sick and, and, you know, not feeling good, I don't know how much you can do. But what a game. Lived up to the hype. What are you, what are you seeing here, Blake? Well, you know, I tell you, this was one that I know was hard for our friend Chris Lee here. <laughs> he thought he had us. I kind of want to put my arm I think I can, can I interrupt do, do I, I mean I'm, I'm a little do I need to just go get a drink of water and, and well, maybe fix myself a sandwich because I feel like there's a long period of gloating that's about to happen the, the good news Get about ready? this new layout is like I can just throw my arm around you like Dennis Gates was doing the official yesterday <laughs> and I can just say it's okay Chris it's gonna be all right because I know you were really rooting against uh the Alabama Crimson Tide number one in the SEC power rankings this week uh here at Southeastern 14. And right now they're going to stay at the top because they find a way to pull out this game. Uh, I will tell you, I did not think they were going to win this game. I also did the the emotional hedge. Max knows what that is uh, yep. in the pick'em contest that Max runs on Twitter. I was all in on the Florida Gators uh, plus seven and a half, eight and a half, whatever it was. So I did the emotional hedge on that one. But I did. I I, I watched this game and I'm thinking, I just usually you guys know I, I can call this. Like I, you know, there'd be a time where I'm like. I can tell you about what's about to happen. 15 minutes ahead of time, yeah. here's who's going to win. This one, I was like, I was all, I was like, there's no way Alabama's winning this game. There's no chance. Like, the, you just see the way it's going, and you're just like, man, I, I say a lot of good things about Alabama, but there's just, I don't see it in this game. This is just one of those games we're going to look back on it and say, hey, maybe they had their, you know, Tennessee, South Carolina game or their whatever yep. other games yep. we can point to. Um, Auburn's Kentucky game or again, ones like that. So, I'm like, this is going to happen. I just don't see it. Florida was playing too well. They're up, what? What did he get to? They were up nine with six and a half to go, something like that. Um, and I'm just thinking, boy, Alabama's just not able to get the shots they need. They're just not going in tonight. And then you look up, and what does Alabama do? In the final, what was it? What was the stat? In the final, I guess, six minutes, they scored 18 points. Um you know, overtime, they scored, what, 11. And that's just what they do. And like you said, I mean, Mark Sears making big plays. Wow. Like, there's a shocker. But Grant <laughs> Nelson, I mean, it's just, you know, Grant Nelson was huge in this game. And, like, the more I watch this game, I'll tell you what I, I came out of here thinking. There's a couple things that I think both of these teams are are good enough to get to, like, the Elite Eight or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I really do. I, I think Florida's joined the club now. And I was making my jokes with Chris about – Chris was telling me he likes his teams to play defense. Well, I was joking a little bit about Florida. I said, well, I don't I don't know if Florida's a team necessarily you want to, to go with. But I, I say that half-jokingly because here's the thing. We talk about the guards, right? We talk all about the guards and how great they are, and they're fantastic. But I tell you – one of the most underrated storylines the SEC this year has been the development of the Florida Gators front court. Yes. All of these guys, it's not, we came in the season saying, all right, we think it's going to be Tyree Samuel, then what? But it's all these guys that are contributing. The four guys, right? Um, Han Logden, Samuel, Condon, Howe, like all of these guys 
And remember, there's three guys in there that are, you know, underclassmen. Samuel's the the older of the group. But they all give you a little bit of something. And they all are just really tough because of their size. You know, you got 7'1", 6'10", 6'11", 6'9". So I think that's what's going to be the difference for Florida if they do make a run to an Elite Eight or something like that is, man, that size, that they, they've they got something because they built the depth now. I think that was another question we had going the season. How deep was Florida going to be? Because we didn't know what to expect from a couple of these guys, right? We were like, transfers in or freshmen, how how much are they going to be a factor? But I think the more you look at it, man, they there's a lot to like about this Florida team. Now, let's go to Alabama for a second. Um, the number one team in the SEC basketball power rankings this week. Did I, did I mention that earlier? Um, I don't know. I don't remember. But, <laughs> probably, of course, they go to Kentucky on Saturday, so we'll, we'll see how that goes uh, well, yeah. if they stay in there. They hit eight threes, and big big baller Brett on Twitter, once again, big baller <laughs> Brett taking his jabs at me, you, yep. saying, Blake, you just had to mention that Alabama had hit 10 or more threes in every home game this season. And they're, what, two of 18 in the first half? They didn't even get a three-point attempt off in the first eight minutes of the second half. And I'm thinking, oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is trouble. But they still find a way to get to eight. And something that Jimmy Dykes kept saying was, like, Florida can't allow Alabama to take a lot of threes. And wasn't that the st- wasn't that what we talked about going into this game in the preview? Did we not? You said something, Max. What was the stat about Florida? And the, I don't remember what it was, but it was something like that about the not stat allowing about their threes. Just something about their three point defense. I don't remember what the stat was specifically, but it was something. Um, I don't know. You'll have to help me out there. But basically. Alabama got, we said Alabama was going to kind of get the shots they wanted. And eventually yeah. you knew they weren't going to go two of 18. They weren't going to go four of 36, right? It just wasn't going to happen. Um, they're going to make some threes somewhere. They made just enough. And remember, they're missing their second best three point shooter in this game, Latrell Wrightsell, who didn't play. Yeah. So something else to keep in mind there. If you would have predicted an off shooting night, you could have seen it without Wrightsell because he'd been hot, right? So all in all, great game. I might talk for 10 more minutes just to hear Chris, what he has to say. But the Tide come out on top yet again. Chris? Sometimes you just got to let the man gloat and let it run its course. But in all seriousness, man, there were 165 shots taken between these two teams. And again, I think there was – as good as this game was, I, I think there's hints that, that that you could see better from these two teams because they didn't shoot it from pre like they usually did. That the Kugel factor was something that played in there, but eleven guys scored double digit points. You don't often see that in a college basketball game. So these these are clearly two teams that can get their shots, and, and there's points from a lot of places, but. Blake made a great point about Florida. Um, the roster construction here with, with the guys underneath, this is a really good rebounding team, as we've talked about. You've got Clayton and Pullen, who are two alpha dogs at lead guards. You've got Will Richard, who's your glue guy, who's an efficient shooter, who gives you 17 last night. And, and then you've got the Kugel factor, which is, again, we coming the season, we, we thought he might be their best player. Now we've got a little bit of an explanation maybe as to some things that are going on. And and, and who knows, if, if for some reason Riley Kugel is 80 or 90% Riley Kugel down the stretch, that makes him scarier. I think Alabama, 
just continues to do what it has done. We talked about the scoring balance. Right cell didn't play. Grant Nelson had not been as good lately. He was really good. But we mentioned that one play, and if you didn't see it, was it Clayton that had the ball, Max, uh, running down the floor, had a good opportunity for a fast break. And Sears just comes from behind yeah, and makes a steal that had a, I don't know, a degree of difficulty of about 9.5. And that, that may have been the single play that changed the game because if that doesn't happen, I'm not sure Florida doesn't win it in overtime. I mean, in, in regulation. Well, just real quick before we move on, I just want to – our viewers and us to just understand how good Florida has been. I think I mentioned it in the preview, not sure. But when you filter Bart Torvik for to show only the last month, about I think I did about midway through January until now, Florida is a top 10 team in the country. Mm-hmm. I think they're number seventh in the country coming into today over the past month. That, that probably only got better after they go to OT with, with Alabama. Um, like it's 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 time to understand how good this Florida team is. They're playing at a top ten national level. It it's just undeniable. The numbers show it. Do you have that in front of you? I posted it on Twitter. I don't have okay. don't have it up in front of me right now. But they were coming into this game over the past month. They were number seventh in the country. Okay. Anything else on this one, or is it time to move to Vandy, Georgia? Well, we have to we have to mention something. If we don't, we're going to get just completely steamrolled here by Florida fans. Um, yes, we saw the people's elbow dropped. Yeah. Um, oh, yep. We yep, we bad. all saw it. It was not good. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's a difference in the game, but it's certainly something that's just completely glaring when you go back and look at it. Um, that that needs to be a suspension situation. That was you rough. Can't have that going on. Well, like it's not even that right. But Condon was called for the foul. Correct. <laughs> yeah, his head being in the way. <laughs> I mean, that and, was and he got knee in the head before that too. He yeah. got double, double whammy. Yeah, officials are going to miss some, but uh, that was uh, that was a tough one uh, for the for the Gators fans. So yes, we saw it. Brutal. Um, yeah, that was just brutal. So, anyways, um, what else? Is there any other gloating I need to do? I don't think so. I'll make sure <laughs> I've covered all my bases here on the gloating. Um, no, I mean, like we said, Strada, great game. Played all, I mean, yeah. Nelson, Griffin, the Sam Walters game, as Max texted us. Uh, <laughs> Sam it's the Sam Walters game. Hey, 14 <laughs> points in 19 minutes. That's it's yeah, two blocks, too. Two big blocks. He's a sniper. So. He's a sniper. Um, but, yeah, I – my my biggest takeaway coming out of this is both these teams are really good. And, yep. uh, yeah, it'll be kind of exciting to see these two teams in the NCAA tournament in the, the particular matchups because I think they can get pretty far. Uh, but both will go in separate directions on Saturday because Alabama goes to Kentucky. Florida will host the Vanderbilt Commodores, which is a great segue <laughs> into – and, oh, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. The Southeastern 14 kiss of death. Uh-uh. You're welcome, Alabama fans. All right, on to the next game. The Commodores and the Bulldogs. Just like we predicted, Max Barr, the Bulldogs go in and get a double-digit win mm, in Nashville. You're not getting away with that, buddy. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm the one here who called that one. You can see oh. that coming from a oh, mile away. Oh, okay. 
I oh. forgot. You were the, now, you were now the it's expert. Now it's my turn to gloat. I get the mic for a while. You were the expert on the game featuring the team that's on a, that was on a six-game losing streak and the team that is, you know, two and something. And All right, that's fine, Chris. You can have some. Some might say that. Uh, look, fine. this was, I, I thought, a perfect get-right scenario for Georgia. Did, did all Max, did all of Thomason's points come in the first half? I don't think all of them, but did. a lot of them did. Did all yeah, of them? Yeah, I mean, he – Vanderbilt was never in that game. I, I, I talked to people in the building. They said that's the lowest crowd they've ever seen for an SEC game there. I mean, give Georgia its props. I've, I've been a little higher on Georgia than, than our man Blake here. I, I think that I don't think this is a bad team. I just think they've run into some bad luck, and that ha- can happen in the SEC. Now, I'm not saying I don't. Sorry, I don't mean to put words in Blake's mouth. We have our fun here, but I don't want to leave anybody with that impression. The I best think 15, I've been 11 little... team in the country. I think that's what I said about Georgia. <laughs> right. They, I think that's. I think we're going to go on record with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, great, great game for Mike White and those guys. Uh, let's see who else did. I mean, they, they didn't really have a big scoring night from anybody. Uh, and, and Vanderbilt did hit 11 threes, but um, that the, the team is just so bad. Georgia hits 53% from the field. What was it at half? 44 29. Did Vanderbilt ever get within 10 in the second half? I don't think so. I mean, I'm, I don't know what else to say about this one because I think the bigger stories are off the court behind the scenes when it regards Vanderbilt. And, and and for Georgia, I just think it's very simple. Georgia got a win it needed it to get, and it went and took care of business. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just – I don't have a lot to say, Max. I mean, this, this game <laughs> – this game, unfortunately, was kind of in that point where it had the the timing of being, being played while the Alabama-Florida yeah. game is being played. And so – I just I went back and saw a little bit of this uh, this morning. I mean, I, I was watching at the time um, because I'm not gonna lie. There was a certain point where just a couple minutes I'd said, "All right, I got to turn off this Florida Alabama game. I got to get prepped for what Chris is gonna say to me on the reaction show tomorrow." And I just I, I can't watch this right now because Florida was up ten. I'm like, "All right, this is bad." So I watched a little bit of Georgia Vanderbilt at the time, but yeah, I mean, Noah Thomason, yeah, he he was really good in this one and. Um, Max could have used this several weeks ago in the fantasy draft, um, but we'll get back to that soon enough. I, we 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 gave it a shot, Max. We said we you know Vanderbilt beat Texas A and M at home. Georgia just had lost so many games in a row, and it felt like they were just kind of at some point. It's like oh, we just do we just keep doing this? Um, we keep playing close games, and we just lose another one. But yeah, this was never never a contest. I mean, they were up twenty three in the second half, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else you add. Vanderbilt fans, um, I don't even know what to tell you at this point. I mean, this is just, yeah, 7-19, 2-11, coming off a year where, like, I don't know, I feel like it would even just be a little bit different if last year they had not come so close to making mm. the NCAA tournament and having the run they had. Because then you just would have continued to be dejected, right? You just would have been like, all right, well, who cares at this point? But you get all that, you know, excitement back and all right maybe this is it and then it just hasn't been so yeah nice win for georgia to get off the the schneid there and uh their welcome gift will be hosting auburn on saturday but i don't have a lot more to add i mean this was we're, none of us are stunned that georgia won this game by double digits so all right did i think the the most interesting thing Hold on. Out, did you guys go ahead Oh, I was going to let Max speak for a second, but oh, I, I usually like to hear Chris share his thoughts on Vandy. Well, I want to I want to hear if you have any thoughts on the game first, because I got I got plenty of thoughts on Vandy. 
Okay. Yeah. Real quick about Georgia. Noah Thomason's playing out of his mind. He's 10 of 22 from three in the past two games. 10, 10 threes on on just under 50% in the past two games. So he's he's shooting the ball real well. Um, Tassos, Comateros was out. They don't play a single guy over 6'8", except for a few Carter Lang minutes. That lets Georgia go plus 13 on the board. So there you kind of have the difference there. And, and and Tyron Lawrence was banged up. Um, I'm, I have I looked all over this morning. I can't I I don't see any update on on what he's what his status is. Um, but Mike White in the post game press conference just said that the the locker room was a huge sense of relief. He said this was a happy locker room. Uh, they they needed this one. That was, Georgia really needed it. They it's they were on a on a bad bad run of of letting leads up and losing close games. And you can just you can tell they really needed this one. So. That's all I really have is just it's a it's a big morale booster for Georgia. Okay, let, let's get to the part that I find the most interesting. Did, did you guys see Jerry Stackhouse's press conference afterwards, or did you see the clip that's making the rounds? Watch the whole thing. I saw it. Uh, Blake, I'll, I'll let you start. No, I don't. No, no, no. Don't put no, this on no, me. No, 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 no. Oh, you can put me front and center here. You okay. can read it if you want to. If you want to say, it, read well, it. Yeah, I'm fine well. with that. So, people have speculated all year about job security for Jerry Stackhouse, and Blake and I kind of got our ear to the ground being a natural of that situation. Everything that I have heard is that he was going to keep his job. Now, look, people look at it from the outside. I think that's where a lot of speculation comes from. Like if 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 a house has got termites on, on every floor and in every room and it's bad, usually that's bad enough to get the house condemned. Um, it, it, at Vanderbilt, the, a lot of times the, the, the house can be on fire too and they still don't get moved. And then sometimes it takes it falling into a sinkhole in the midst of all that. Um, I I think that's where the situation has arrived, that it feels like that even at Vanderbilt, it has reached its point. Uh, I, I, if we had done this yesterday and you'd ask me, is he, is Jerry Stackhouse keeping his job? I would have said, I think he is. I, I, my opinion has changed based on some information uh, that I got about this time yesterday. And, I think it's going to be interesting because I think he's got an AD who is uh, publicly non-committal, privately supportive, privately wanting to make it work. I, I don't know how this works. Um, you know, if you, if you didn't see the press conference last day, there's about a minute and a half clip out there. Hey, actually, Chris, do you want to just play this thing? Let's play it. Let's play it. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's just play this thing. You, you guys stall for a second and I'll get it pulled up. Sure. Uh, but but I, I I don't know how you could possibly hold a situation together with the optics of what it is. It, it's maybe going to be the worst season in the history of Vanderbilt basketball. I know they won a couple of conference games, but if you if you take that with the backdrop of what this team did out of the league, if you take that with the fact that the attendance is bad, if you take that with the fact that I think probably ninety percent of that fan base or more wants him gone. It just becomes a time where I don't know how you you can sell that with a straight face, and and that's they're past that point. Yeah, I'm working here. We're almost there, Max. I'll let you filibuster for a minute. <laughs> well, I mean, 
I don't I don't know. I mean, I I understand the I understand the frustration and everything, but what what's just it doesn't make any sense to me is is his comments. I I don't want to get too much into it because I know we're going to show it, but just there's a disconnect between what's actually happening and then what's being said in the press conferences. Yeah. It, 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 there's just a somewhere the people aren't seeing the same thing. I, I will give you my interpretation. I think he's got a buyout that is that is close to eight figures. I don't think it's there, Ooh. but I think it's close. Ooh. And I think this is just him um, saying, "Okay, fine." Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my ground. I'm gonna insist that I'm the right coach for this job. And if you want to do something, you're gonna pay me my full amount to go away. Because I don't think he's got options elsewhere. I know there's been a lot of talk about NBA stuff. I've talked yeah. to my connections in and and around the NBA, and it has been consistent for a while. Uh, there's been this outside narrative that he could leave Vanderbilt for an NBA job. I just have not that. been able to connect the dots with anybody okay. actually. And last off season, the whole thing was, Hey, that, you know, there's Jerry Stackhouse could get the Pistons job. He could be in play yep. for this. I, I don't, I don't see that he actually got interviewed anywhere. I mm. think that was a manufactured media narrative uh, with several people helping to advance that. I don't think there was any actual truth behind it. All right. Yeah, I remember seeing that. We got it, Blake. Oh, it's one thing about 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 my job is that, you know, whatever I got hired here to do a job and I've been trending in the right direction for a long time. Like, you know, I, I probably heard more things about net this year than I've than I've ever heard about our net. You know, the last four years before that when we increased our net every year, I hadn't heard anything about that. So We've been doing a lot of good things, trying to trend in the right direction, and, and I know it's a lot of noise out there, a lot of things, but you know, I, one thing I can say, uh, no weapons formed against me shall prosper, you know what I'm saying, because I got faith with the man upstairs that he, that, that he put me in this position for a reason, and everything that I'm going through right now, um, you know, with this team and off the court, it's ordained. And the stuff that's gonna make me better, and I really feel about that. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I hate that. You know, some of the narrative that keeps coming back, you know, deals with you know a tweet or something from, you know, 21. I mean, I, if I could take it back, I wish I would. But at that point in time, that's how I felt, and that's how I addressed it. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's, you know, there was 12 disciples, right? And there's. Only one of them was a Judas. There's a lot of people pulling for me, and there's a lot of people pulling for our team, and I'm and I just try to think about those people, and and make sure that I continue to to do my job and focus on on these guys and helping them get better, and then I'll live with the result from there. All right, Max, you can change the screen however you want to. There you go. All right, there you go. For anyone that wanted to hear it, there it was. Um, mm. Let's get to LSU Kentucky. My goodness. Another great game. Uh, another great game. If if you didn't see the end of that, guys, it, let's just let's just go back to the end of the game. Jordan Wright drives with the clock running down, gets his shot blocked. It's going towards out of bounds. His body carries him where the ball goes. Jordan Wright made about as intelligent a play as I've ever seen anybody made in sports. Somehow he's got the 
the the foresight to to catch the ball and before he goes out of bounds, lob it back up to Tyrell Ward, who hits a just a short shot in the paint to win it. I've, I've never seen. I mean, to, to think to do that in the moment was incredible. First of all, um, second of all, what what a game! I think this was, again, an everything-we-could-hope-for situation. Max, I'll, I'll let you lead it off with your thoughts. Your man Tyrell Ward got the winning bucket, and I knew that made you happy. I've been singing this guy's praises for for weeks. Feels like over, I think over a month ago, I was I was talking about Tyrell Ward. Do you guys have any idea in conference play who the number one three-point shooter in the SEC is? Well, it's Max, Tyrell I'm going to... Okay, I was gonna. I was gonna go with Tyrell, Tyrell Ward. Is <laughs> Tyrell Ward number one three point shooter in the SEC in conference play? He's shooting twenty three of forty four, just over fifty two percent. Crazy numbers. Uh, and it, furthermore, the LSU plays four guys, four guys six ten or taller. Three of them made a three last night. The length and shooting on this team is impressive. They only play two guys under 6'6", Trey Hannibal and Mike Williams, and Trey Hannibal might be one of the best rebounding guards the SEC has to offer. So, like, this – I just really like the makeup of this team, and they're doing it without Jalen Cook, who's nursing a hamstring injury. Um, we've seen this team – this team is, I think, kind of taking on some of those Georgia qualities, Chris, that you liked early in the year. You used to always say, can't kill this Georgia team. They are just going to come back no matter what the score is. Starting to see that a lot with LSU. They, they, they get behind and – just there is no quit in this team. Uh, that's what I I'm just super impressed with LSU. As for for Kentucky, I kind of thought that last play, a 50-50 ball going the way of LSU, kind of just that was kind of the story of the night. 50-50 balls and those extra hustle plays were kind of all going LSU's way. That's what I kind of took away from that. But great win for LSU nonetheless. I tell you, there's something about this LSU team. Um, I said, I, I said this would this game would scare me to no end if I'm a Kentucky fan because you were all over it. It's the combination of things. It's the fact that LSU is better than their record suggests, and it's the fact that Kentucky back-to-back games. Everyone was not everyone. A lot of people thought, "All right, this is it. They're about to turn the corner." Come on, it's LSU. But I told you guys, I mean, how many close games do these teams have to play in Baton Rouge to understand that it's going to be close? And if you're Kentucky and you give the team that does not have the pressure on it, you know, the opportunity to hang around, to hang around when what? Kentucky was up. What were they up? 13, 15. Um, at that point, it's like, okay, you got you got a decision to make here. You either better find a way to put the put the foot down on the gas and make sure this thing stays comfortable in terms of keeping it 8 to 10, something like that. Or, you know, LSU does what it did at that point. It went on a 29 to, what was it? 29 to 9 run, I think, because it was 42-27, then LSU all of a sudden's up 56-51, like 10 minutes later. And so so LSU scored 29 points in 10 minutes, basically. Less oh, than that, perhaps. Uh, so, I mean, that's it. And yep. I, I just said this was a, this was a bad setup for Kentucky. I know we all picked them. We thought we were going to avoid the Southeastern 14 kiss of death. Sorry, Kentucky fans. It did not happen in this game. 
but I mean, I, I, I don't want to just go so far in, and I know that it's all going to be about Kentucky. Everyone wants to talk about Kentucky. I get it, but let's talk about LSU because again, Max Barr, who's the best 14 and 12 team in America? The Tigers. Yes. That's a great answer. Um, I mean, it's not Washington, is it? Yeah, who who else is in that discussion of 14? Now, this is right. like a very specific claim. Hang there. on a second. It's the Blue Bloods is what I like to say. And unfortunately, we're not putting Washington in that category right now. But who else is 14 and 12? Uh, Florida State is 14 and 12. Um, Give me LSU. Who else? UCLA is 14 and 12. I would take LSU. Indiana's 14 and 12. LSU. Give me LSU. I mean, LSU's better than all the Blue Bloods here. So, yeah, that's all I got to say, okay? LSU, the best 14 and 12 team in America. And so, but really, think about it. I mean, they've they've come a long way. This team was 2-16 and 16 in the league last year. And, you know, 4-7, and seven, now they've won back-to-back games against what were probably projected top five seeds in the NCAA tournament, one on the road at South Carolina. They beat Kentucky at home. Another great chance to do it on Saturday against Mississippi State. And if they do it against Mississippi State, those odds of an LSU streak to finish the season, winning out, could LSU be last year's Vanderbilt? And again, what's the common denominator? Jordan Wright. Could it happen? If they beat Mississippi State on Saturday, I think there is a decent opportunity that it happens. And they finish the season on a seven-game winning streak. And if that happens, hmm. LSU may be one of those teams going to the SEC tournament that we're saying, hold on a second here. They get the right matchups. They get a couple, you know, a couple interesting NCAA tournament opponents, and they beat them. Look out. The Tigers may be dancing at some point, but it's still a long way to go for that. But great win for LSU, for Kentucky. I mean, I don't know what to say. I, It was a tough game, but... Again, these are the kind of games that Kentucky fans expect their team to win. And they just didn't do it. And now they got to come back home and play the best team in the league on Saturday in Alabama. And then they got to go to Mississippi State after that. And they still got to go to Tennessee. So, I mean, what's the likelihood that Kentucky goes into the SEC tournament with double-digit losses? I think it's likely. So, I don't know, man. I We'll see with Kentucky. I... This was a frustrating one, I'm sure, for that fan base. So, I saw a tweet last night that said, uh, right after this LSU game ended, and it said, uh, you know, the, this last two weeks here of, of regular season games is now so much more important for the seeding because you do not want to catch LSU early in the SEC tournament. It's, they've kind of put an extra bit of pressure on, these, on the top half of the SEC because you do not want to catch this team early in that tournament because they're dangerous right now. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the the Vanderbilt make a run out of, at the NCAA tournament bubble out of nowhere scenario for LSU because there are a ton of similarities behind beyond Jordan Wright. First of all, LSU does have some some wins of note. It's beaten now Kentucky, beat Wake on a neutral floor, one at at A and M, one at South Carolina, and beat Ole Miss. And also North Texas on a neutral floor. That's not a bad win. I don't think that's in that large caliber team, but but it's a it's a, a nice win. It's a quad two win. Now here's the problem: three quad two losses 
one quad three loss, one quad four loss. I think LSU 85 in the net, you really have to get in the top 75 historically to even have a snowball's chance. So what LSU is going to do, it's going to have to beat Mississippi State, and then it's going to have to beat Georgia, Vandy, Arkansas, Missouri by pretty decent margins because the net considers scoring margin. And then and then maybe we got a chance with, with the run in Nashville, but again, Vanderbilt ran that exact gauntlet a year ago. Um, well, not exact. Vanderbilt was done by beating good teams down the stretch. LSU's was was going to be done by beating about the bottom in the conference. But even even running the tournament wasn't good enough for Vanderbilt. Feels like the committee in the past really hasn't valued work once you get to the weekend. Maybe it's already made its mind up, which I I think is flawed. But it is the way it is, and so that's that's how I see. I still think it's a very very tough hill for LSU to climb, even with LSU doing all it could to help itself. So uh, for Kentucky, I, I'm sure you guys saw the Dillingham play once again in the second. It may, maybe the maybe the most the and one shot I've seen anybody hit in the SEC this year, splitting the defenders, hitting yeah. the, that little float or whatever you want to call it. He he had, I think, most of his points in the second half. Uh, was listening to Field of 68 this morning. And, you know, some talk of like, hey, you need to get Reed Shepard in there more, maybe start him. I still don't know if Kentucky has figured out what it needs to do with its combination of guys. And, and certainly I think Cats are going to get into the tournament, you know, probably playing for seeding, barring a collapse, but be very interested to see what the, the personnel decisions look like coming down the stretch for John Calabari. I'm sure they'll be criticized a plenty. You know how much he loves that. <laughs> I mean, again, at some point, I mean, they've got to they got to win games like this. Big missed opportunity here for the Cats. So I don't know. Um, what he he left the press conference after three questions last night. He wasn't yeah. happy. wasn't happy about the fifty fifty balls. He wasn't happy about a lot of things. So, yep, we will see. Kentucky fans, weigh in. We're ready for the Egg Bowl of basketball. We are. We are. All right. Mississippi State gets even with Ole Miss in this one. Uh, trailed at halftime. Took control late in that game. For Mississippi State, I guess the big thing to lose Smith comes off the bench for, what is it, 24-6. and six. Um, Cam Matthews and Shaquille Moore get double figure scoring, as does Murphy. Uh, Mississippi State needed this one. It got it. I don't know if Max or Blake wants to start, but I'll let one of you take it next. Well, I mean, Max put this into the universe so he can go first, you know, because he, he made the right choice by picking Ole Miss in this game. He knew what he was doing. So, Yeah, I actually had the, the under in this game. And man, yeah. they just they yeah. they came out of the gates just flying again. A uh, lot of good shot making in this game. It, surprising. This is now two two egg bowls here where you would think it's going to be a gross kind of physical rivalry game, and, and you've seen some really quality offense. Uh, one one key piece of the game was Cisse gets in early foul trouble, and Ole Miss has to go small a little bit. And then you, the the Tolu Smith, the Jimmy Bell, Sean Murphy, just keep you know pounding and pounding inside, and it, it kind of wore down the Ole Miss interior. The bench scoring was everything for Mississippi State. I mean, now with with Kashawn Murphy back, 
they can go about 9-10 deep uh, if they get Trey Fort back as well. So I'm really starting to like the depth on this Mississippi State team. Um, but the the main thing that Chris Beard was upset with in his post-game press conference was the fouls. He was just mm-hmm. – have I've watched every single uh, Ole Miss – pregame and postgame press conference this year and this is the most probably short-tempered and upset I've seen Chris Beard he normally comes out in that postgame press conference even if they lose by 40 and he'll say you know he'll give all the credit to the other team say it's how great of an atmosphere it is and he'll be very level-headed he was super frustrated with with the the officiating in this game said he has never seen two big men play full 40 minutes and not get a single foul called on them speaking about Tolu Smith and, and Jimmy Bell. So I thought the officiating was was a little bit one-sided, but you got to give the credit to Mississippi State. They played the more physical game. They were more aggressive, and they kind of implemented their game plan and had Ole Miss on their heels for pretty much the entire second half. So I just I thought it was a great game plan by Mississippi State. Um, it, but, man, Chris Beard was, was, was as upset as I've seen him this year. I'll give you, if you're an SEC basketball fan and you didn't watch the game, I'll give you two guesses as to who was part of the officiating crew for this particular matchup. <laughs> um, I think I know where this is going. When you have them in the same game sometimes, it's a little bit – it can get a little interesting. Um, so I, maybe you can understand Chris Beard's frustrations uh, a little bit. But, yeah, this was a nice win for Mississippi State. As we kind of predicted a couple weeks ago, they had a really good shot to kind of go on a streak here after being, what, 3-6? and six? Is that what they were? Um now they're yeah. seven and six. They're back in a really good spot. Of course, the LSU game now looks a lot tougher than we thought maybe a couple weeks ago it would have been. Uh, so that's no gimme by any means. I think that'll be a good game. Then they get to come back and host Kentucky. Then they got that pretty rough stretch to finish at Auburn at A&M, home against South Carolina. So I think State is in a pretty good spot now. Uh, meanwhile, we'll talk. We'll get to bracketology at some point, I guess, today or tomorrow. But I don't know if I feel the same way for Ole Miss anymore. Just like I don't feel the same way for Texas A&M. And so, but Mississippi State, they've taken care of their business. You got to hold serve at home, as we've said. They've only lost one home game. That was to Alabama. No shame in that. They've taken care of business against the other big teams at home. That's helped pad their resume a little bit. And, yeah, I just I like this team for the fact that they're going to defend. They're going to play good defense, and I think they're always going to have a chance to be in a close game when they do play defense well, uh, even though, again, Alabama – kind of a different story which has been the case for other teams too so yeah i i like the way this team is sort of trending and i think having this part of the schedule was helpful because you just needed to sort of get back into the swing of playing the way you need to play to win and i think they've done that over the past four games now and we'll see if they can carry it forward Uh, obviously still need to to win some games here down the stretch but i think they put themselves in in a pretty good spot getting a, a win like this so Yeah, Ole Miss this morning, 68 in the net. I think the the two interesting things, the, the difference between the predictive and the results metrics are pretty glaring. Ole Miss 27 KPI, 24 strength of resume. That suggests Ole Miss is going to get in the tournament. Predictives have Ole Miss, man, goodness, once you account for auto bids, barely an NIT team, 78 in BPI, 70 in Pomeroy. So we'll see where the committee leans. I think traditionally it is leaned more on the results-based metrics than it does the predictives once you get to that stage of things. 
but but who knows? And and we'll we'll probably cover the Rebels a little bit in bracketology. Guys, great great night of games. I, I think Blake is the guy that said this. This didn't look like the the most entertaining schedule. Well, I mean, I, I, I take that back. You had a, you had a rivalry game. You had Alabama Florida. We had a recipe for an interesting game in Baton Rouge that delivered, and then some. And, and then we had the drama in Nashville. So it was – look, I, I don't know that if, if you'd said a month ago or we're going to do a 45-minute show based on these four games, but uh, the, the basketball gods gave us reason on on Wednesday night. Look, I, we went 30-something minutes. We had 35 minutes on two games yesterday. I think it was easily – if you had the over-under on 45, there was no – I mean, you're taking the over. Like, come on, folks. If you're betting on the Southeastern 14 runtime here – we're not on television. We don't have commercials. Like, come on. We we we'll go as long as we need to go to to cover all these games in depth. And yeah, the two really important ones for different reasons. Um and we'll see what happens with, with the rest of these. And of course we'll have all of our previews for the Saturday games. Make our predictions for those. Um so yeah, those will be a lot of fun to look at. Some interesting games coming up on Saturday, including the big one in Lexington. Kentucky, mm. Alabama, some other kind of intriguing games, maybe a little more than meets the eye on a couple of these other ones. So Tennessee yeah. revenge game. Tennessee revenge mm. game. You got LSU trying to keep streaking. Mississippi State streaking. Somebody's got to put some clothes lines. on in that game. Um, you know, Ole Miss hosts South Carolina. Big one for both teams. Georgia hosts Auburn without Jalen Williams. Woo. Woo. Oh, then Missouri goes for win number one. At Arkansas, game of the week. I, I got, I got something for that Missouri Arkansas game. You guys just wait, you just wait for that one. If that don't, if that don't give you a reason to subscribe, I don't know what will. So, there you go. N- nothing like creating suspense where it's hard to find it, but that that's what we do. We we know our stuff yeah. usually. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Max, any parting thoughts here? No, just buckle up. Can be a fast two, three weeks oh, here. Don't say that, Max. Buckle up. Alabama fans are going to get on you after saying that. Why? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. What's so bad about buckle cut, up? Cut this. Oh, my. Cut this thing off, Chris. Say, we're done here. I'm Max, lost. About, the Alabama fans are about to come at you. That makes two of us. All right. <laughs> For Max Barr and Blake Love. Alabama fans, in the comments, remind Max of what that phrase reminds you of. Thank you. All right. We're done here. Thanks for watching Southeastern 14 presented by Bet Online.